this thing on? <laughs> We're not going to take it, Dom. <laughs> Wait. We're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. What are we doing? UFC 255 slander will not be tolerated in this house. Yes, this is true. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. That's my favorite intro we've ever done. (laughs) Happy Friday! UFC 255 preview show. It's a big one. Yeah, it is. Dom, how you feeling? It's the end of another week. I feel fantastic. Yeah? (laughs) How about you? I feel great. It feels good to be back with you in person. We are in person. For one time only. Yes, and then we're back to remote. <laughs> For a couple episodes yeah. anyways. But we're going to make the most of it. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's a preview episode of a pay-per-view. Six fights. Six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're giving you guys a little extra. That's to make up for the lack of special episode. We something a little, a little something a little extra special. Let's not bring it up. <laughs> but you all know what the rundown is today. Oh yeah. Obviously, towards the later half of the show, we're going to be breaking down six fights for you, the five main card fights for this Saturday's pay per view, along with the prelim headliner. We might even mention a couple other prelims. We might this, just do a. I'm telling you guys, this this card is stacked, and I I, I understand the sentiment about the two title fights and how they are on paper very one-sided i it doesn't bother me if you even if you take those two out the rest of the main card fantastic stack you got names like mike perry caitlin chukagian who fought for a belt cynthia calvillo that's that's literally a setting up who's probably next after andrade and then you got shogun hua former light uh, heavyweight champion, a legend, mm-hmm. Paul Craig. Their first time fighting was a draw. Yep. That was fight of the night on yep. that card it happened on. And then you got Moreno Royval, which is likely number one contender for whoever wins the title fight. That's our favorite event. fight on this whole Yeah. Fight. You got Joaquin Buckley, who y'all know the, the kick, Whoa. the clip that went viral. I would assume so. Yeah. That was Joaquin Buckley. He's back. And then you got people like Ariane Lipsky. Anybody see that knee bar she had a couple months ago? Nasty. Disgusting. My knee hurts. Valentina's sister, Antonina Shevchenko, is facing her. Fun fact on the two two sisters, they could become the first, or they're going to become, barring them making weight tomorrow morning, because again, we record this on Thursday night. Anyways, the first sisters ever to be on the same card together. In like the seventh or eighth pair of siblings, but the first ever sisters. That's nice. Yes, fun fact. Yeah. We even have a male model on this we on this do. card. The prelims of this card could easily be a fight night. Shout out to Alan Joban. Yes. But and commentator now too. Really? Yes. In the booth. Not on the not next to the octagon, but up top. With Karen O'Brien, Megan O'Levy. Is he really? I yeah, didn't know he got that. his first one a couple oh, weeks ago. Awesome. I'm an Alan Joban fan, so Alan, if <laughs> whatever, you're listening, no whatever, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously we'll be breaking those down towards the later half of the show, but y'all know what we start with here. <laughs> It's time for the news. The <laughs> it's the news. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we got a few fight <laughs> announcements here, along with the rest. Do we ever? Yeah, we really do. Woo! Big ones here, and they all came boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, I was. I, I kept sending you <laughs> yeah. the tweets. Yeah. And you took forever. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see him until I got home that. It was night. like all day. Yeah. 
And I was just sitting there, like, Damn sitting it. there on my phone, like, when's Dom going to see it? When's he gonna, especially, you know, the big, big one. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was just sitting there, like, waiting. I'm like, I know these, Dom loves all of these fights. Like, why is he not saying anything? And then all of a sudden, you just start blowing me up yeah. at, like, 10 p.m. Yeah. But we start. Back-to-back fight announcements for UFC 258 happening in February. Yes. Macy Barber is back. It's going to be a year since her last performance, that very disappointing performance against uh, Roxanne Monteferi. Blew her knee out. Yeah, UFC 246. She tore her ACL in the first first round. round, uh, Was able to take the fight all the way to a decision. Uh, Showed a lot of heart there. Showed a lot of toughness. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was still a loss, unfortunately. This is true. And it kind of halt, you know, it's it, it's a step back, right? So this is her bounce back fight here, but it's no easy task because she's going up against another perennial contender. This is an awesome fight. Another prospect slash contender in yes. Alexa Grasso. This fight is <laughs> happening at women's flyweight, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, Dom, I, I know you're a big Macy Barber fan, but... Tell the people why this is a good fight this for not is, just Macy, but for Alexa Grasso as well. Yeah, yeah, both points in their careers, this is like a perfect matchup to make. Um, really, both are very well-rounded, but I'd say both are like strong-suited more toward grappling. Macy Barber especially, because she's trained with the likes of like Ben Askren yeah. uh, over there with Rufus Sport. And then Grasso just fought uh, relatively recently. How long ago was her most recent one? Uh, she fought on the Smith Rakich card, okay. which was back at the end of August. Yeah, so she's very young, a lot of talent there, uh, fighting out of Mexico with like Yair Rodriguez and all those guys, all tough. Uh, this is a really good matchup. Stylistically, it's good. Both young, hungry. Uh, I'm interested to see how Macy bounces back because, again, these knee injuries, you never quite know uh, how you're going to do. We saw it most recently with Tiago Santos. He didn't seem to have any issues on the feet. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just, it, it depends on who it is and how serious the knee injuries are. So I'm, I'm intrigued, very intrigued. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big fight. It, these are, again, two of the bigger prospects of this division, I would say. Alexa Grasso is still only 27. She's been in the UFC for a while, though, mm-hmm. since 2016. I don't know if uh, calling her a prospect is really warranted at this point. She's kind of she was kind of Macy Barber before Macy Barber in a right. way. Uh, Grasso hasn't quite lived up to the hype. She's four and three in her UFC tenure. She's basically traded wins and losses. Uh, her losses being, you know, Felice Herrig, Tatiana Suarez, Carla Esparza. That is a murder's row right there if I've ever seen. It. Especially Felice Herrig back twenty seventeen. But you know her wins to Randa Marcos, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. You know they look good. Um, even that Gian Kim fight, I remember she looked good in. That was her flyweight debut. Actually. I was going to say, I, I think that, that that's what I was about to say. Yeah. So, you know, she's she's going to be the smaller girl in this fight going up against Macy Barber, who's 22 years old, had looked really like a killer. Yeah. Uh, before the Montefiore fight, and you know, there's at least enough you could put enough doubt in my head with the Montefiore fight based on the ACL injury. Mm-hmm. To make it go, okay, it was kind of a fluke. That's that's kind of my thought. I mean, Montefiore, no disrespect. Been there, done that. A legend of the women's divisions. But, like, Macy Barber should have beaten her. Yeah, and was undefeated going into that fight. Yeah, so, so I like, a part of me wants to just put it all on that knee injury. Don't know if that's quite the right mm-hmm. thing to do. But um, it's probably good to get that loss out of the way. 
Have you ever heard that uh, fighters when they'll say like, when you're undefeated, it's like the stress of like constantly like being when, worked. Yeah, and then you finally lose, and you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it's like a relief almost. <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, now I can just focus on just going out there and yeah. just doing my best. I don't yeah. have to. I don't have to. It's like I don't know how to explain it. It's obviously you're always fighting to win, but. When you got a zero next to your record, I'm sure it feels it's an added different. level of stress, you know, rather than if you just have even one loss. Well, I think it's like not only are you looked at as a great fighter, obviously, if you're undefeated, but you're essentially looked at as perfect because you have never lost. Yeah. So I guess it's just kind of that high accountability you have to hold of just having to constantly be perfect, and then you lose, and it's like, all right, I've been brought down to earth with all the other normal fighters. <laughs> yeah, so. true. Interesting. So, uh, our next fight announcement here for UFC 258. It's a rematch. Ten years in the making. Yeah. Chris Weidman, the former middleweight champion, going up against Uriah Hall, who, funny enough, these guys have a common opponent. Oh, do they? (laughs) Well, they have a couple, but uh, (laughs) the obvious, the elephant in the room here. Weidman took Anderson Silva's belt. Uriah Hall retired Anderson Silva essentially from the UFC. This is true. Um, I'm saying it like that because I know it hurts you, so I'm just That's ripping right. the band-aid off. The... But this rematch was a little unexpected. I wasn't quite will, yeah. I wasn't ready to get this fight announcement yet. Um, I know there had been there's been a lot of uh there was a lot of chatter after Uriah Hall's performance against Anderson Silva because uh, Dana White particularly went pretty hard on him. Yes, he did. And I don't know. I like felt bad. I didn't think it was really that warranted. No. But you had to think like, okay, he's kind of in the doghouse. Yeah. So like, who's he going to get next? Well, he gets a pretty favorable matchup at this point here against Weidman, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong. Weidman could still go. He's coming off of a win over Amari Akhmadov. That was a dull (laughs) fight. But Akhmadov, the top 15, Mm -hmm. I believe he's ranked number 12. Um, so he at least is proving that he's still a top-tier fighter. I just don't know if he's quite, you know. At this point in each of these guys' careers on paper, I'm, I would be favoring Uriah Hall here in this one. I would say Uriah Hall has showed me more than yeah. Chris Weidman has in yeah. the past couple of years. <clears throat> but, Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, I, I like the matchup, though. Oh, yeah. The, this is a rematch, but the first fight didn't even happen in the UFC. For the and it was for a belt, I think, funny enough. Was it? If no. I'm not mistaken. This yeah. is a lo- 2010. Yeah, this is not It was UFC. like Weidman's third ever fight yeah. or something like that. Yeah, because um, when he beat Anderson Silva, he was only 9-0 at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, like, not that many fights before that outside the UFC because he had to fight a couple times in mm-hmm. the promotion. Um, I, I like it. I, I wonder, though, you know... Does the, especially for Weidman, if he if he loses, particularly in a brutal fashion, like could happen when you're going up against a striker like Uriah Hall. You probably got to know in the back of your head, like. Do you think that's the end? Yeah. Or at least like you know for a fact you're not gonna get back to the title. At least now you can have a kind of have a little glimmer, just because you know you're ranked top. What is he? He's tenth right now. Little glimmer of hope, but if you lose, and at his career standpoint where we're at right now. Could probably chalk that up. Really, the same probably for Uriah Hall though too. 
So, you think so? I just think both these guys are in really similar spots in their careers. <clears throat> I, yeah, I guess. Maybe I just still see more in Uriah Hall. I don't know. I, I just haven't really seen him look that bad. Like, he definitely had never lived up to the potential he had when he was on The Ultimate Fighter. Mm-hmm. But that potential he had, I don't know if uh, how aware you were of what his tenure on there. But they were calling for him if he won the season. It was Anderson. To yeah. get an immediate title match with Anderson Silva. But Kelvin Gastelum yeah. pumped, the break, pumped the brakes on that and beat him in the finals of the tournament. That was the rematch I was actually calling for after Uriah that's beat right. Anderson. Yeah. But Kelvin, right. yeah, that's another guy that was kind of on the downward slope right now. Um, I like the matchup. I You know, you want to hear something or something when you really think about it, it's kind of like, I don't know if sad or... It's just something I observed when mm. we were talking right now. Anderson Silva possibly just retired. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that when him and Weidman fought the first time, Weidman was this 9-0 and young prospect. Anderson Silva was literally the number one pound-for-pound yeah. fighter in the world. And now they're potentially about to retire at the same exact time period. Yeah. That is wild. That, that is a that testament way. to how brutal this sport can be. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. But still excited for it. That's going to be a good fight. That's going to really beef up that 258 card. Yeah, I mean, both of these fights we discussed here are on the same card. Yeah. So that's already a great start. I'm assuming both of those are main card. I would would like to think. I think so. I mean, Barbara Grasso could be like a pretty... And and I'm trying to think, you know, February, what kind of titles could we be talking then? Right. I'm thinking, you know. Maybe a little Whaley Zhang, Rose Namajunas yeah, action. See, that's you know, a good one. Maybe, that's a good one. Volkanovski. Maybe a little Volkanovski, Ortega. Ortega. So uh, I think we got a good card. Because really, right? it's like February is like that one month right now from now until March. That's kind of at least the dull. we haven't heard a lot about. Yeah, I think there was only like one other fight, and it was a fight night. It was the Reyes and uh, yeah, Yuri one. Because so. um, March has been a lot of talk for Stipe and Ganu too. Is he Yan? Is he Yan? Um, January's Connor obviously probably Connor Dustin. So, 2021 first quarter <laughs> is looking quite ridiculous. Yeah, so right hopefully now. February gets a pretty big fight on there. I mean, that could even end up being Megan Anderson, Amanda Nunes. True, yeah. It uh, could true. be. Actually, you know what's funny is I had, now that it just kind of dawned on me, I had, I've been hearing a rumor going around Twitter. Don't know how verified. <laughs> verified. We love it is, MMA Twitter. But I just want to bring it up that a potential headliner for this card is going to be the Usman Burns. That's another one. Fight. So there, yeah, there's going to be a title fight there. Yeah. That's a, for sure. So yeah, I, I like these two fights though to kind of beef up that main card though for sure. But this third fight, uh, this next one, yeah. The best is blessed. So January 16th, this is a fight night. This is apparently the first UFC event. the first event. thing of the year. Yeah, I guess it's the first event they're having that year for 2021. We got our headliner. This is one week out, by the way, from Connor Dustin. This is a fight night the week beforehand. That's crazy. We got our main event for that card. It's uh, in the featherweight division. The former champ, the blessed era is back. <laughs> yes. The Blessed Express. <laughs> the best is blessed. Yes. Max Holloway. Yes. He's back. He's going up against Calvin Cater, who we last saw putting on a hell of a performance in a He's, headliner against Dan Egan. That dude is on a tear right now. He is. Put some respect on my man Calvin Cater's name. Absolutely. 
thank God UFC uh, or EA Sports finally put him in the UFC 4 <laughs> video game. Right. I was like, come on. How are you not having him in like, right away? But I digress. This is a huge fight, Dom. What are your thoughts here? I don't want another fight on the card. Just one fight card. <laughs> Just give it, put it in my ESPN names. Plus, 7 to 7.30 p.m. That's it. Wow. Anyways, this fight's insane. Um, it's going to be essentially a boxing match in a UFC octagon with UFC gloves. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful chaos. Someone's getting hurt. This is yeah. fantastic matchmaking. Um, high risk for Max Holloway. Not so much reward, but at the same time, he has to fight somebody because he's in an awkward spot. Yeah. For Calvin Cater, you couldn't ask for a better opponent in terms of getting your name out there, yeah. especially. So, this is fantastic. Cater's being given a huge opportunity here. Max is basically... <clears throat> Kind of admittedly, as you just said, in a very awkward spot. He's, you know, he had two, he had back-to-back title fights with Volkanovski. He lost his belt to Volk the first time. That one was fair. Second one, though. Not so fair. <laughs> it was close. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, I won't call it a robbery. But <laughs> literally everybody but the two judges yeah. had it for Holloway pretty much. So, but he still didn't win. So it's like, do you give him a third shot? Well, then I am glad they didn't do that. You know, then you got Volkanovski. He's like, I beat him twice. He's like, what do I got to do? Yeah, he's like, if, what happens if Holloway beat him that third time? What, yeah, do you give Volk a fourth. Yeah, title shot just to we get a saga. It. Yeah, like yeah, we're talking, there'd be more Holloway Volkanovski fights than Star Wars movies at some point. <laughs> yeah. So. I I'm glad that they didn't do that, but it does put him in Max in an awkward position. Just but this fight is got look, it's definitely a risk for him because Cater is surging. Cater's yeah. looked fantastic. This is no easy fight. But that's what happens when you get to the top of the heap. Yeah. Is you just and it shows Max is like game. Like yeah. let's go, and let's do it. Part- if Max puts on. <laughs> the kind of performance that he's capable of. Oh yeah. Then there's no doubt that if he wins this, he'll probably be the next. Especially guy to win. like if it's a finish. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even if it's just like a, even if it goes I have all a feeling five rounds, we're going to see a beautiful. I think it's yeah. going to be five rounds of absolute war. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, and I think this fight being made kind of lays out the division <laughs> because Ortega's number two. He's the clear cut for Alex next. Zabit and Yair will happen at some point, maybe in 2026 or something like that. So really, the only other guy now is Chan Sung Jung, or otherwise known as Korean Zombie, ranked fifth. Uh, I would have loved to see Korean Zombie and Max Holloway, but I think for the UFC, it's like, do we really want to max match up Max with a guy coming off a loss? Yeah, I think it's better to match him up with a guy like Calvin Cater. So I love this fight. That's fantastic main event. Fantastic. Yeah. I was surprised that it was... Oh, it um, came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was just... I, look, shout out to Max, too. He got engaged. Yeah, same day. Same day. Yes. So he got engaged. Oh, love and then that he got guy. his next fight. Love Gotta love him. Man. Oh, man. The How best can you blessed. not love him, man? Yeah. Whew. Now, our last fight announcement here. And it's kind of... Kind of, sort of. It's, it is. We but, talk about it weekly. Like, I think a part of us is just... Like, I think it is official. <laughs> it's just we... We're like... We 
I don't know. I, I don't We're know. just waiting at this point I don't on know the what official to do with my UFC hands. graphic. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> UFC marketing and graphic team, we just need a picture. Connor signed a contract. That's what... According to the Mac Life, by the way, which yeah. is his, like, <laughs> company, yeah. essentially, that covers MMA and boxing. They said he signed the contract. If they say it, and I mean, it's called the Dustin Mac Dustin apparently had already signed. <clears throat> yeah. So we have two signatures. Dustin's in Florida for training camp. This fight contract literally has both signatures. It's happening. Like, literally, it's happening. On Fight Island. And yet, I'm still holding off on saying it's official. Until we see the UFC verified account (laughs) post something. But, this is exciting, right? Yes. Our UFC 257 headliners... Are you not entertained? (laughs) This fight... uh, We've talked about it in detail on multiple podcasts but it's it's a big deal especially because there's so much unknown about Habib and his status which funny enough this fight could be a you know could be a factor in kind of where Habib goes because mm-hmm. uh, you know if Connor wins you gotta think Dana's been saying that Habib he thinks Habib will go for 30 and 0 did you see Habib's comment today? We're going off on a tangent. What did he say? He came out and said that he has nothing left to prove and he has no interest in competition. So he basically disputed Dana's comment. I don't understand why Dana keeps saying he's like, he goes, look, Habib said he's got to talk to his mom. Maybe part of him's <laughs> just holding on to that. That, I, I, that, that Connor rematch. Yeah, he just yeah. wants it so bad. But yeah. um, I, what excites me more is the fact that this is probably going to be the main event. Or, probably. It's going to be the main event. We yeah. just need it to be announced. Yeah. Tony Chandler? Come in. <laughs> That's all we want. Uh, we That's will, all we want. We will get to that a little bit later. I digress. But I, I agree with you that if both those fights get announced, take my money. I mean, take my money anyways. Yes. But take my money time. This is, a, for anyone that doesn't know, even though we've talked about this a lot recently, this is a rematch from seven years ago. Six, seven years ago. Yeah. So, uh, when they were both, Connor and Dustin used to both be featherweights. Connor starched Dustin relatively easy. Um, I don't see it being the same this time around in terms of uh, relative ease they, for Connor. This fight at lightweight, at their current points in their careers, this should be absolutely fantastic. They both are better today in 2020 than they were in when they fought the first time. And Dustin's given us a lot more to. However, what I was going to say is Dustin's growth has been more obvious in his more recent fights. Connor's hasn't necessarily been the same case. And that's, you know, he looked great against Cowboy Cerrone. Um, Technically, he's one of two people to ever officially take a round from Habib. So you even look at that fight and you go, well, he did better than a lot of people. Here's the thing. The point is, is that there's just huge gaps in seeing him. When you talk about what who we've seen more, we have since October of 2018. So over two years now, we have seen Conor McGregor in a UFC octagon for a total of 46 seconds, and that was against Cowboy Cerrone. This is true. So now did he look great? Yes, he did. But 46 seconds. <laughs> It's in hard. over two years. It's hard. I mean, there's a big jump from That's Cowboy. so upsetting. There's a big jump from Cerrone to Poirier. Oh, yeah. 
And really, this is if they're natural you really think fight. about it, Poirier's kind of rise really started when Connor kind of left the sport the first time. Yeah. That's when he really started the tear. Because, like, don't get me wrong. He had his moments before that. 2016. But you see he got knocked out by Michael Johnson as the headliner of a fight night. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where it all changed. Yeah. You know, then after that, he had great fights against, like... Um, Outside of that Johnson loss, the only other fight that Dustin's lost since Conor McGregor is against Habib. Yeah. He's 10-2 and two since he fought Conor. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Wild. so that Michael, again, Michael Johnson, the guy that just shows up and beats a, one of the best fighters of all time and then loses to Cans. Yes. Um, not, sorry, not to, sorry, Michael, if you're listening. <laughs> but you saw the, really after that's where he really rose to yeah. be El Diamante. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Connor, during that time period, gets his second belt, hits the peak of his rise, bounces. Goes in boxes, comes back, Starts blah, blah, blah. A whiskey company. So it's hard to really judge kind of where these two guys are at this point. Because I think most would agree that Connor is not, 2020 Connor isn't as good as 2016 Connor. You wouldn't think. That's the, I think that's like the accepted uh, standard right now. But yeah. I know there's probably, you know, a lot of Connor's fans are probably still holding out on that and I'm not saying that he's still not good enough to win a belt by all means he can especially if Habib yeah, isn't around yeah. but is you know that's that's the thing here is is Dustin ready this time like did as 2020 Connor regress to the point where 2020 Poirier is overtaken him. overtaken him that's gonna Skill be the question wise. obviously that's the question and I think it's gonna be a banger of a fight I don't imagine that's gonna go five rounds I don't know. I just have a weird feeling that it won't be a five-round fight. I think someone's going to sleep. Well, that's interesting. Going to sleep, I, I, TKO. You know, we're only two months out. We are. So that's going to be a huge fight, and obviously we'll be breaking that down in, in big. I oh. mean, obviously we've done a lot of we've given a lot of details. That here. would be our first ever Conor McGregor breakdown. Yeah. And Dustin. Yes. So it'll be a big one. <laughs> But obviously that'll be coming in January. Yeah, that's so. in January. But that is all for our fight announcements. That's for the rest here. We just got a few a pieces of things. other news. Uh, the UFC released a uh, basically a perennial contender at the men's flyweight division, Juicier Formiga, a.k.a., as you pointed out yeah. before we started recording, the only guy in the promotion. Or ever. Yeah, who's beat Davis and Figueredo. The only man. The champ that's looked like an absolute savage. So, I think what uh, my direction here is, you know, Formiga, he's always been kind of one of those guys that hung around at the top but couldn't quite get over the hump. Mm-hmm. His losses include the likes of back in 2012, he lost to John Dotson. Pretty sure Dotson got a title fight after that. 2013, he loses to Benavidez. Pretty sure Benavidez got a title fight after that. And like six others. Yeah. <laughs> then you got 2015 in the Ultimate Fighter Latin America finale. He lost to Henry Cejudo. Triple C himself. Cejudo got a title shot not too long after that. Then he had a loss to Ray Borg. Guess title who got shot. a title shot after that? I, I don't know if these are exact. I don't want to be clear, but it's clear that all these guys would end up after beating him that would get them yeah. at least very He's close. He's that name. And then after that, he had that four-fight win streak from 2017 to 2019, including 
capped off by that unanimous decision win over Figueredo. And then he lost three straight to finish off his career. He lost to Benavidez again. Lost to Brandon Moreno, who we'll be talking about later. And to your point. And also our talking about him later, Alex Perez at UFC 250 back in June. Oh, and who's fighting Davison for the title? Alex Perez. Oh, okay. So okay. There's, there's a lot of contenders. <laughs> Are you seeing a trend? So basically, every person who's got the flyweight title shot has Ever, beaten yeah, so essentially. Formiga. But what I think my direction here and my, what I'm going to ask you, because look, all respect to Formiga. We hope he bounces back in another promotion. And is, uh, I mean, he's 35. Hopefully someone else gives him a home and he's able to keep going for a few more years. But um, I, I heard a good a little nugget of information on the uh, Helwani and DC podcast. Share it along. Ariel said that there is, I don't know if this number is correct or not, but he said that there's only 21 men's flyweight fighters contracted in the UFC right now. So my question here is, what are we doing? Why would we get rid of one of the? You know, I get it. He's lost guys. three straight, but those three losses are to three top contenders. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are you? Where do you feel like the state of the division is right now? And um, kind of what? How do you see it in the future? Because well, that's a great question. You got to think. Really, since the Cejudo Dillashaw fight, we really haven't heard anything else about potentially trashing the whole division. You know, and here we are. They're getting a main event slot. So part of me wants to say the division's doing great, (laughs) but then something like this happens, and you hear that there's 21 people on the entire divisional roster, and you're like, oh, what is happening? Everything is fine. You know that gif with the fire going in the background. But right now, this division seems to be at one of the strongest points it's ever been in terms of excitement. I mean, we've got the title fight here. we got Brandon Squared on the prelim headliner. We've got guys, you know, like Askar Askarov, who are still waiting on the cusp for their title yeah. shot that have only lost one fight, or never even lost a fight for him. Um, Kaikar France is still there. I mean, this division, the top seven, eight guys are really good. Uh, even guys like Tim Elliott still in the top 12, Jordan Espinoza. So hopefully nothing bad happens. I, and also, I will note, we still have Cody Garbrandt scheduled to come down. Yeah, supposedly. So you see something like this and you're like, eh. But then you see the main event and you're like, ah. So, yeah, so obviously know. they. I, I'm not, you know, I don't think that it's weird to be bringing this question up when literally our headliner is the men's flyweight belt. I personally don't think this division's going away anytime soon. Um, I think Dana has proven by his actions that he has been a proponent of this division and that he really wants to see it succeed. They like Davis. They're they're, they're trying with him. And I I guarantee that this pay-per-view is not going to sell very well. No. But you got to think long term. If Davison puts on the kind of performance he did against Benavidez, people are going to take notice. Then you line him up with, with a guy like Cody. And if that he, fight is freaking... And Cody's a huge name. Yeah. So if he gets the rub and is able to knock out someone like Cody Garbrandt, oh. does wonders for him. Yes. And if Cody wins the belt, then you got a guy with a bigger name yeah. as your champion. Exactly. Um, I think that's kind of the way they're looking at that. 
But uh, Davidson is definitely good for the division. I, I like the state of the division. But yet at the same time, it's probably the worst time period if you're talking about... Depth. Well, I guess outside of that, the top. But even. I mean even at the, the top, it's... You know, when we, when we had Demetrius Johnson, I know he never sold very well. But he was so dominant that it was like... Even though he never really sold well, it was it felt like it was still good to have like one of the all time greats in, in that division. Like, it it felt still like, felt like everybody it knew made the, my it made the, it made the division feel more legit when you mm-hmm. had someone who was becoming an all time great. Yeah. Dominating that division. Then he loses to Henry Cejudo. Cejudo really grew into a big name after that fight. You had the Dillashaw fight, and then he went and got a second belt against Marice. But then he left the division, and now he's kind of retired as of now. I feel like this division is closest to compare with the light heavyweight division right now. Because we had John Jones, yeah. longtime champ. He's I, gone. The only other guy ever to have the belt outside of him for the past 10 years has been D.C., and now it's just a jumbled mess. In a way, and a yeah, new champion that you never mess. saw being the yeah, champ. I, I, so. I, don't know if, I don't even know if I'd call it a mess, though. Like I feel like... There's clear-cut contenders, like clear-cut line. I mean, Perez getting a shot over Moreno has raised a lot of questions because everybody thought Moreno should have been next. Yeah. When they gave it to Cody, people were upset. Cody gets out. Perez was already scheduled to fight on this card. He gets placed in the main event, but then they put Moreno on this card anyways. So um, people thought Moreno or Askarov should have been next. I understand it. I, I don't disagree. But you get a guy like Alex Perez. He's he, he's you know, we'll talk about him more. They're they're gonna build down. him as the contender series guy. Yeah, and I that's and exactly I think that's something it. we can talk yeah. about more later. But yeah. I I think that's a good move. I, I think there's I think there's promise in this division mm-hmm. that for the future, and it, it's this is gonna be a huge card for that. Mm-hmm. As for our next piece of little news here. Uh, I added this one last second. I thought we could just touch on it. Just a little shout-out. Or a little call-out. Yeah, it was a call-out. And I I did not see this coming. Ryan Hall, who for those of you who don't know, he's a uh, fighter in the featherweight division. He's ranked uh, what right now? 13th. Ranked 13th. 8-1. He has not fought. (laughs) Was his last fight against BJ Penn? (laughs) Darren Elkins in July of 2019. July 2019 was his last fight against Darren Elkins. Ryan Hall, for those of you that don't know, he is the most unassuming looking guy in the world. If you saw this guy walking down the street, you would never guess that he is a fighter or even trains in mixed martial arts. Yeah. But as soon as the bell rings, he's grabbing your leg and ripping it off. Yes. He is, when it comes to jiu-jitsu and when it comes to leg locks in particular... This guy is literally a rabid animal. He is insane. So, he's had a lot of problems getting fights. At least in his uh, in his words. He's not been very active at all. He's an older guy. I think he's 36, 37. He's 30, 35 and he's had three fights since December of 2016. Yeah. So, he's not been active. And he claims that that's mostly because people are people turning are him down. Turning him down. So he called out uh, someone, and I've never seen him do it before. It was very interesting. He called out the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung, who literally just lost the number one contender fight against Ortega a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 
So I just wanted to put it on here because he was saying wizard versus zombie. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think there's even a chance this fight no. happens? I don't think so no. either. Um, if I'm zombie, I just wouldn't want to take a risk on a guy. Yeah, I mean, I, like that. I don't. I don't want to look. I don't want to say that. Zombie, Not that zombie yeah, wouldn't. I don't think he'd be ducking him. I yeah, think it's just yeah. like Creed Zombie still ranked what third? He's fourth. He's fifth now. Fifth. But uh, like in my mind, especially after the Cater and Holloway fight announcement, Korean Zombie versus Josh Emmett is insane. Yeah. Like, and that's five versus seven, and that keeps him his status at yeah, the top exactly. even if he loses. So. And a lot of people like Josh Emmett, Ryan Hall just. No one really knows the guy, unfortunately. Yeah, he's just... It's unfortunate for him. For a guy like Ryan Hall, you know, fights like Dan Ige, Sadiq Youssef, Jeremy Stevens make more sense. They and they're do. still ranked above him. I'm sure he's tried. Well, he even... He posted another picture after the tweet you sent me of, like, the entire division. And he had, like, four guys X'd out that would have turned down fights against him. He's like, who else? Like, can someone fight me, please, essentially. And Dan Ige even responded to it. So, that was interesting. Really? He's like, uh, I can't turn down a fight that I was never offered, and then I was offered somebody that's ranked higher, so I took that fight anyway, and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah. Look at Ryan Hall just getting into the, the drama. Yeah. That not Very part, unexpected. It wasn't on my 2020 <laughs> bingo card, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> but I just wanted to make note of it, because yeah. it, it was interesting. I mean, good for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like, eventually... Get your name out there. I'm sure it's not something he wants to do, be calling people out on Twitter, but, yeah. hey... You gotta do what you gotta do to get fights. I mean, look at three fights since 2016. Yeah, since since I've been a huge fan of this sport. Yeah, my man's fought three times. Yes, that's less than once a year. Yes. yes. Anyways, <laughs> we got an update on the Michael Chandler Tony Ferguson oh, situation. The lightweight division. The last we heard, Tony <laughs> went on a tangent. Made on made, made a hype video. He it was a good one too. It was. And he was basically going, Michael Chandler, let's headline... December 12th. UFC 256. Yeah. Presumably for a belt. Chandler's head. Chandler's quote was, and I quote, <laughs> 0% chance I will fight Tony in 2020. But... End quote. Because that's all that's in the quote. But he did make it clear, January let's be 20th. realistic and yeah. fight on UFC 257. Co-main event. Yeah. Good idea, Michael. Agreed. <laughs> but you know what people are going to say? They're going to say that he is ducking the five rounds. Mm. That he only wants three. Because he knows that Tony mm -hmm. will take him in the deep waters. Mm -hmm. I don't personally agree no, with no, that no, sentiment. No. I think it's... I've We've said that it was pretty long shot that that fight would get booked with three weeks notice and Michael Chandler did just come off of a training camp and a weight cut he cut all the way down and made weight for yeah. the backup fight or backup fighter for so 254 my so. question for you is there has been so much noise about Michael Chandler's debut yet the UFC have said nothing it's true where <laughs> what is the hold up what is like where are do we see Chandler? Obviously, I'm sure we both think that he's going to end up fighting Tony Ferguson, correct? Yeah. So I won't ask you who's going to be his debut because we both think it's the same guy. But my question is... What's the holdup? Yeah, like what? Um, 
maybe they just wanted to be sure Connor and Dustin was going to happen because they originally wanted Chandler versus Dustin when yeah. he very first signed. Right. But then the Connor thing came out of nowhere, so it's like, okay, let's make sure that Connor and Dustin are going to fight. It's going to be a pay-per-view headliner. Now it's like, okay, no one else makes more sense than Tony Ferguson because Chandler was literally lined up to be a backup fighter for a title fight. So how are you going to give him anyone other than, like, it, if he doesn't fight Tony, it's Gaethje. Like, that's the only other person. God, what Which would be man. insane, yeah. by the way. Um, but, yeah, maybe that's the main reason. That's just me speculating. But uh, I think it's time. We need to We got to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. We need Michael Chandler in the octagon right now, like yesterday. Yeah, I just uh, – again, this is another note from uh, DC and Ariel's <laughs> podcast. Uh, they were joking that like he's kind of became like a heel, you know. The have you heard of you know the heel face mm-hmm. dynamic in pro wrestling? He's became like a heel, and DC was like, "Wouldn't it be funny if he just got put in the title fight right yeah. off the bat?" <clears throat> I almost choked on my water because everybody would be pissed about it. They would and root against him. He's like an, an incredible guy, though. No, oh, he and is. super well-spoken. Super well-spoken. He's definitely got a champion's... Like, he's just uh, very confident. He's got the demeanor of a champion. Yeah, really does. And I, that was... I mean, he's really... he did. He's done work with MMA on point. A lot of stuff yeah. with him. Um, and then he had... They brought him out on the 254 broadcast, mm-hmm. and he talked, and on that broadcast, very clean-cut, well-spoken guy. Um, so I think he's getting a lot of unwarranted hate here. Yeah. Because I think ultimately, it's uh, what the promotion wants to do with him is not his choice necessarily. Um, obviously, he has the choice to accept fights, but hey, come on, three weeks, like make it. You know, yeah. he he did say he said that he acted like Tony had basically no response to him about fighting months, a couple months yeah. prior. Yeah. So he said like, now you want to call me out on three weeks' notice? Like, let's be realistic and fight. In January, yeah, you got eight so, weeks of full training. I think he's getting camp. some unwarranted hate. I mean, I'm hey, I'm a Tony guy. I'm gonna be, you know, I, I'm not gonna be rooting for Tony or Michael, but you know, I'm a Tony guy. I could see myself turning into a Chandler fan. I could. I already like the guy. I mean, and I, he's not even fought yet. But I'm a fan. Of, UFC. I'm a fan of most, as you are. We're fans of most guys. Oh yeah, that that's step true. in there. That's true. So it's kind of like I, I already feel like I'm a Michael Chandler fan. I just want to see him fight. Yeah, simple, simple. Yeah. yeah. And we'll move on to our last piece of news today. That's a sad like some one. Sad stuff, yeah, so. we're ending on a somber note here. Anderson Silva was officially released by the promotion today. Yeah. <sighs> 14 years. This, I was this, a wee lad. Is there, is there a better representation of the brutality of this sport where you could have someone like Anderson Silva who is a top three, four fighter of all time in the UFC who headlined huge cards, you know, their debut in Abu Dhabi. Most pay-per-view main events ever, I think, in UFC history. He was literally their guy from 2006 to 2013, his run. And now he's just been released... The best run we will ever see in UFC history. Like, you don't hear about, like, GSP being released by the UFC. No. You know, it, it, 
obviously he kind of bounced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying that it's such a shame that for Silva, who, and I know you you feel this more than anybody, who was literally at the tip top, literally the number one guy in the world. In the biggest the star can be, essentially. And, and he's been on. kind of reduced to being able to be released in the same kind of press release as someone like Formiga. Yeah. No disrespect to Formiga, but he's not Anderson Silva. No. Like, there's no, no, you know, uh, and maybe this will change in the coming days, but there was no, you know. Automatic. Like, oh, but he's signing here. I'm even looking like the UFC Twitter didn't really, like, Oh, put yeah. anything like yeah. think I'm sure that might change, but uh, it's just it's a sad day. It's just the dawn of a new era. Does he sign somewhere else? Please no. Bellator Scott Coker said he's not he interested. He even said no. Just stop. Does he go to Ryzen? Does he go to One FC and rematch Vitor Belfort? <laughs> Anderson, this is me. This is dominant. You're, you're, you're biggest fan, Anderson. Please, just nothing left to prove. Yeah, there's nothing left to prove. You're 45 years old. Sons are up and coming fighters. Yeah, he's got his own gym, training. That'll be it. Yeah, and not right off into the sunset. Nothing can take away from his accomplishments, but it's just a sad note to end on. Well, and it sucks company. because you say that like none of this can take away from what he has accomplished. But all these losses too, just I mean, you know how in terms I feel. of the legacy status, hurt. It does. I mean, you know how I feel. I've, I've. That was one of the reasons why I didn't make him number yeah. one on our top ten list. Yeah. It's it's tough. I mean, literally since, I mean, really he beat Nick Diaz, even though that result got overturned. Yeah. So since the Nick Diaz fight, which was in 2015, 14. He's won one fight. He's won one fight. And, and it was lost. a fight that you could argue he lost. And and he's lost about five others. Yeah. Lost to Bisping, Daniel Cormier, yeah. then he beat um, Eric Brunson. Then he lost to, I want to say, um, he lost to the guy that just, Jared Cannonier. Yeah. Lost um, to Uriah. Lost to Uriah. It's, it's just sad. Hang him up. Yep. That's how I I, love the way that the night ended when he fought Uriah. So that's how he should be remembered. Yeah. He doesn't need to have that happen again in another organization. Oh, the other lost Israel Adesanya. Oh, yeah. That should have been the end. Well, yeah. If you wanted, like, the the end should have been when he snapped his leg in that. I mean, if you wanted a storybook ending, that that was as close as he could get after the leg break and all this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, That would have been just a great way to send off but instead he gets the he gets the send off with uh passing the torch to the we have israel adesanya at home fighter yeah (laughs) that's the end of the news very somber way to end there but we're bouncing right back we are bouncing right back because it's time to break down preview these fights for saturday's pay-per-view you guys can get this pay-per-view through ESPN+. Plus. Make sure you do so, because we will not... We're not taking it. We're, if, we're if, I hear one per- take if I hear one person tell me directly that this card is like shit or ain't worth their time, they're getting slapped up. 
Stockton slap in this bitch. Yeah. Do it. Oh, bet. It's on site. (laughs) (laughs) UFC 255. Yeah. Here's the breakdown here. And don't forget the add-on, the special one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This are the fights that we're going to be... I'm going to start at the I'm going to start at the bottom of the prelims. Give them love. So starting with the the first prelim fight, I'm not going to touch on the early prelims outside of Joe Man. Yeah, who you already Joe mentioned. Joe Man versus Jared Gooden headlining the early prelims. Those are on ESPN2 as well as ESPN+. And you can watch those on Fight Pass mm-hmm. if you have that. Um Joe Man love the guy. Uh don't know why. <laughs> Um, he's never really been like a contender or anything. He's he's just kind of been one of those like middle of the road guys. But I, I I like the guy. Good fight. He's had good wins. Like he he beat Mike Perry back in the day. Um, he's going up against Jared Gooden. Then on the prelims, which you can also watch on ESPN two and ESPN plus, we start with Daniel Rodriguez, who is he's he's a uh, alumni of our our podcast. Yes, we have he broken is. down before. He's going up against Nicholas Dalvey, who's been fighting in the promotion for a while now second fight women's flyweight Antonina Shevchenko the sister of Valentina going up against Ariane Lipsky that's it's a, a big fight. that's a big fight for flyweight it's a good Lipsky fight. had her biggest moment in the sun just over at the end of the summer yep that nasty knee bar mm-hmm. whew that that it gave me chills I had to ice my knee that literally night. her this woman's leg went you know, you know, when you, you know when you bend your leg. Hyperextend. <laughs> she bent it the. It went the other way, <laughs> the way it's not supposed. The to foot go. came toward her face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. While for Antonina, we have not seen her fight since her loss Chukagian. to Chukagian, yeah. who we'll be talking about later. Um, so this is a big bounce back for her because that Chukagian fight was kind of weird matchmaking where she was being. Propped, I think, to beat Chukagian, and yeah, and she, she really made no ready. adjustments in that fight. Yeah, I remember us talking about yeah, that fight. I, so this is a big bounce back for her, and no easy task in Lipsky. Then middleweight Joaquin Buckley is back. Can he capitalize on the hype? The most viral tweet, post, video that the UFC social medias have ever had. The he fighting Impa Kazagane. Simply the highlight of all of 2020. Impa catches the the leg, catches the foot. He should have tossed it down. <laughs> Buckley uses that to <laughs> boost him into a spinning head, a spinning head kick. It I looked guess? like something Shelton Benjamin would do back in the day in WWE. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a great <laughs> for way. our WWE fans. Uh, I always there. said it looked like the Jeff Hardy. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but this was real. And he yes, knocked him out. True. And it was the most viral, one of the best knockouts you'll ever oh, see. Oh, yeah, it was incredible. But can he capitalize? Jordan on Wright, it? by the way, that's a good fight. This is a good fight. And don't and people have, can't forget, Buckley had lost his debut in the yeah. promotion before that Impa fight. Yeah. Lost to, uh, shoot, he lost to, um, God, I'm, I'm oh, gonna blank on. I it. don't know it. Okay, just talk about the fight real quick. Well, I mean, matchup wise, that should be a great fight. Um, I could see again, like I said, the the four fight main prelims could be a fight night main card. Um, yep. Very good. This is a great matchup here. Kevin 
And I think Buckley's just going to look to capitalize. Like you said, he his hype right now is at an all-time high, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome, when, especially for a guy like this that's not ranked, brand new to the UFC, for him to already do something so spectacular... Like, dude, you're setting yourself up. Yeah. So, there is a lot of pressure. Added pressure here. So His debut was against Kevin Holland. Oh, that's a tough debut fight. Yeah, now Kevin Holland in December is going to be headlining against Hermanson, who's a top five middleweight. So, Buckley, I I heard a good quote where if Buckley goes into this looking like thinking he needs to top Oh, that, that's the wrong then mindset. he's going to lose. Yeah, that's the wrong mindset. He just mindset. needs to go in there. Just fight. Just fight. Yeah. Fight to win. That's Short notice, point. too. I mean, this is, what, a month after that yeah. kick or something? Yeah, so. so big fight there. And then now we're get you know, the fights we're going to be breaking down. The prelim headliners, Brandon Moreno, Brandon Royval. It's Brandon, Brandon squared. squared. Yes. Yeah. Likely setting up who's going to be next for Figueredo or Perez, the winner of that. We need Royval on the podcast. We do. Raw dog. Brandon, hit us up. Anchor. <laughs> Help anyway. us out. Yeah, anyway. Then our main card on pay-per-view starts at light heavyweight. A rematch again for Shogun Hua against Paul Craig. Second fight, women's flyweight. Caitlin Chukagian, the former title challenger. I love that fight. Going up against Cynthia Calvillo. It's a great fight. Really, look, you know, Calvillo made a name for himself in this division. It's uh, an important fight. Made a splash, I should say, by beating Jessica I back in the summer. This fight would... Put her right there with Andrade. Third fight at welterweight. Mike Perry. He's back. His pregnant girlfriend's in his corner. And his friend from like high school or something. Which Even though he won't be he in. Apparently he's not allowed to come. Yeah, he's going to be in the locker room. I guess I, I don't know if he didn't pass the background check or what. But he's going up against Tim Means, a vet. That's war. That's war. That's a bloodbath. And then we got our two title fights. Starting with women's flyweight. Valentina Shevchenko. The queen. The queen. She's a bullet. She's the bullet. Going up against Jennifer Maya, who we'll, we'll get into it. And then our main event, men's flyweight, Davis and Figueredo. The god of war. Yep. And going up against Alex Perez. The contender series guy. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So we're going to start. We're talking about the most important fight of the night, though, first. Yeah, we're talking about Brandon Moreno, Brandon Roy Val first, Dom Break it down. Brandon squared. Yes. Can we just say that Noah and I really wanted this on the main card? And it was on the main card up until Chukagian and Calvillo got announced. And, I, you know, I think we should have just got a six-fight main card. That's just me. Uh, but anyways, Brandon times Brandon. Here we go. Brandon Moreno, 17 wins, five losses, one draw. There's a lot of people on this main card, by the way, that have draws. So that's a little bit of a fun fact here. Uh, Brandon Moreno has two KO TKOs, 10 submissions, so 12 out of 17 via finish. He's 5-2-1 in the UFC. Notable wins over Luis Smolka via submission. Uh, Ryan Benoit, split decision. Kai Carr, France, unanimous decision. And uh, Juicier Formiga via unanimous decision. Uh, notable losses to now Bellator uh, top contender in the flyweight division, Sergio Pettis, unanimous decision. And then he also lost to uh, Alexandre Pantoja via unanimous decision. And for Roy Val, Mr. Raw Dog himself, he's 12-4, three KOTKOs, eight submissions, 11 out of 12 via finish. He's 2-0 in the UFC, both on short notice, 
both via submission. Uh, Tim Elliott first, and then Kai Car France back at UFC 253. Uh, notable loss I wanted to point out back in LFA Legacy Fighting Alliance. If yep, I'm not, I think so. Uh, 2018, he lost the unanimous decision to Mr. Casey Kenny. Yeah, it's very interesting. Had to give a shout out to Casey Kenny there. Very up and comer. Uh, right now, been in some wars recently. Just fought last weekend on the prelims, I think. That's true. Or two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, and for Roy Val, eight of his 11 finishes coming via the first round. And he's riding a four-fight win streak coming into this snow. We love Mr. Brandon Roy Val. We do. But is he ready for Brandon Moreno? Yes. I think so. What is your Knee-jerk pr- reaction. What is your prediction for this fight? This is interesting because we got a got two guys that love the submission, but I don't see uh, I don't see a finish coming here. By the way, the fight that he Roy Val had with Kaikar France was wild. Was. You remember that first round yeah. was crazy because Roy Val got hurt. Yeah, he did. They yeah. then they had like a double knockdown. There was yeah. some weird stuff. Going that on. fight was insane. Great uh, fight. Got the finish in the second. Both of his submissions in the UFC have been in the second round. I think we're going to have a very uh, technical battle here. I think we're going to see a lot of grappling, some high-level grappling. I'm going Mr. Raw Dog, Brandon Roy Val, the other Brandon, the blue corner Brandon. Mm -hmm. Decision victory here. Biggest win, obviously, for him. And this is huge because you got to think about this. Roy Val, on short notice, debuted against a top 15 Tim Elliott. Yeah. And then went on to fight a top 10, Kaikar France. Now he's fighting a top 3, Brandon Moreno. He's, Title fight next. He's passing every test. Yeah. And this and is the biggest colors. one. And if he wins this fight, title fight. People really thought Kaikar France was going to be the the straw that was too much. Guilty. I pick Kai. Oh, I mean, it's understandable. Kaikar France is awesome. I love that guy. And, I mean, he did hurt Roy Val. Mm-hmm. First round was wild. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... I, I think where it's different from you is I think after the Tim Elliott fight, you were at least respectful of Roy Val's ability. Mm-hmm. Dude, thought, to come in on short notice, you, just thought, like Kara, you just thought Kara France was yeah. going to win. Yeah. I think a lot of people looked at that Tim Elliott fight and thought it was a fluke. They were like, why are you giving him something that's too close, you know, too far ahead to give him care of France. Talking about a guy, by the way, in Tim Elliott that went all five rounds with Mighty Mouse. True. And gave him a good test. He did. He really did. That was probably one of Mighty Mouse's toughest yeah. title defenses. I have been on a Roy Val hype train from... Day one. Day one. I'm going to relish Continue that. that, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to pick uh, Roy Val to also win by decision here. Moreno, don't get me wrong, no slouch by any means. I mean, these guys' submissions literally combined what? They have 18 combined submissions. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, uh, I didn't even, I, you know, I never really realized that Moreno was so, I knew that he was quite, I knew he's a good grappler, but I didn't realize that he had been finishing people at the rate he had. Well, I think recently it's been a lot of decision yeah. stuff, so a lot of people overlook his skill. So. Yeah. I you think know. I think I've even been guilty of that. Um, Moreno came into the promotion in 2016, very young. Uh, he, even now, he's only 26. So you got to think four years ago, he was 22 when he came yeah. in, real young face kid. Um, had a couple of setbacks early on. I mean, he had good wins against like Ryan Benoit, Luis Smolka, Dustin Ortiz. 
loses to Sergio Pettis and Pantoja, as you said. Um, he's had the draw with Askarov, but he's 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 really proven to be one of the top flyweights. Um, a, re- a rematch with Askarov, by the way, I think is warranted. That's a fight that should yeah. happen too. So, so here he is coming off of a win against Juicier Formiga, who has now been cut. Juicier has fought three of the four men's flyweights on this card. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I just think that Roy Val is. He is surging right now. It is his time. Oh, ride the wave, man. Yeah. Uh, I think you you might be right about it being grappling heavy, but I also could see this totally being that kind of fight where... Well, you know how it is when it's two grapplers. Where I think they might be standing quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, And I think Roy Val's got at least... He at least can make it... Like, you know, you saw that fight with Kara France just how wild it got. Yeah, he, definitely has think, weapons on the And feet. he really showed that he kind of thrived in that environment yeah. when it got wild. Chaos. Moreno, <laughs> I don't know if he'll be able to be dragged into that kind of fight, but if he is, then we could be looking at a three-round war here. Oh, yeah. Oh, Potentially yeah. fight of the night. Oh, yeah. But I digress. I'm going with Roy Val by decision. I think it's going to be a great fight. I really do. If, if there's one fight you're going to watch on the prelims... You have to watch the prelim headliner. Brandon yes. Squared. You, ESPN 2. We're going to get Brandon Squared tattooed on us. <laughs> <laughs> we love that fight. Yep. So then we start our Now main, we're on the main Yeah, card. we start our main card, the rematch. Mauricio Shogun Hua, Paul Craig. What are your thoughts here? Well, we've got to take the listeners on a little bit of a history lesson here now. Yes, we do. Because uh, Shogun has been around the block a time or two. This is the first time we've gotten to talk about our friend Shogun Hua. Yes. Mr. Shogun, 27 wins, 11 losses, one draw. The draw being two. Paul Craig. Yes. 21 KOTKOs, one submission, 22 out of 27 via finish, 11-9-1 in the UFC. As crazy as that is, a former world champion. Notable wins way back. Quentin Rampage Jackson in Pride, 2005 TKO. Antonio Noguera, three separate times, two unanimous decisions, one split decision. Alistair Overeem, two times, TKO and a KO. Kevin Randleman, submission. Mark the Hammer Coleman, TKO. Chuck the Iceman Liddell, TKO. Leoto Machida, knocked him out to get the title. KO'd Forrest Griffin. TKO'd Brandon Vera, a split decision win over uh, Corey Anderson a future title challenger over there in Bellator now. And uh, also Tico John Vellante. But he's got some notable losses too now. Yes, he does. And these also go back quite a ways. They do. Mark Coleman. By the way, I just want to mention, you're going to hear a lot of repeated names here for Shogun. This man, I'm convinced, has had more rematches and trilogies and like fought people multiple times more than anyone else in the history <laughs> of mixed martial arts. That's a good point. <laughs> Mark Coleman, TKO. Forrest Griffin lost to him via submission. Lost his first fight uh, with Lyoto via unanimous decision, which was very controversial, yep. uh, which warranted the immediate rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost to John Jones, lost his title John Jones via TKO. That's when John Jones became the youngest UFC champion of all time. Uh, lost to Dan Henderson two times, uh, once via unanimous decision, once via TKO. That decision fight is made our top ten list, yep. if I'm not mistaken. It did. Uh, lost to Alexander Gustafson via unanimous decision. Lost to Mr. Chael P. Sonnen via submission. 
Got KO'd by Noah's boy, Ovent St. Prue. Shout out. And then uh, most recent loss, the Lionheart, Anthony Smith, got a brutal KO loss there via elbows. Yeah, that elbow was nasty. Shogun has been there and done that. But what about Paul Craig? But Paul Craig. (laughs) Maybe not not quite. (laughs) Definitely not as long as the description here. (laughs) Uh, Not the biggest Wikipedia page, right, compared (laughs) to Shogun. Uh, Paul is 13-4. and Also one draw because, you know, he had a draw with Shogun. Anyway, one KOTKO, you know, whatever. Twelve submissions. You know what that is, Noah? That's 13 out of 13. 100% finish rate. We need a little alarm. Ring the bells. We need us. We need us. Ring the bells. We're going to have to add in sounds from Anchor to make noises for 100% finish. He's 5-4-1 in the UFC. Notable wins. In my opinion, only one. Uh, obviously, all tough competition in the UFC, but he submitted Magomed Ankalaev, which Ankalaev's is very only loss. yes, very impressive. What was that? A triangle off the top triangle of triangle choke. Okay, uh, and then notable losses. He's got KO'd by Khalil Roundtree, got submitted by Jimmy the Brute Crute, uh, and then also got KO'd by Alonzo Minifield. Great fight. They they fought to a draw mm-hmm. in the past. We're getting the rematch. 15 versus 14 in the light heavyweight division. We're not getting a draw again, Noah. I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, that first fight they had was great. Yes. Uh, it was a great fight. Fight I, of the night, you said? That fight night was quite dull. Blahovich versus Jacare Souza was the main event. That was not a good main event. But that fight was great. Um, with that being said... I think I need to. I think if you want to give your prediction first, I do have some stuff I got to say about Shogun. Let me get, let me give it really quick. Okay, go ahead. I got Paul Craig here, getting the victory. Originally, I I'm not even going to talk about it. Actually, Paul Craig second round submission. I think he gets the job done. When you have 12 out of your 13 finishes via submission, I'm probably going to pick you to win via submission. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. Okay. So I'm going to pull out, this is story time. This is going to be, yeah, you know how I get when it comes to these guys that were fighting in pride and came to the UFC. Pause the episode, throw the popcorn in the microwave. Yep. Real quick. Get you you a beverage, sit down, story time, get on the rug right now, kids. All right, now you're back? Okay, here we go. All right. (laughs) Shogun Hua was an absolute killer in pride, especially towards the end. Yes, he did have the loss to Mark Coleman. Uh, shout out Mark Coleman, a Buckeye. Literally Ohio, legend of Ohio the UFC. Guy, the first ever first heavyweight, ever. heavyweight yeah. champion. That was due to him getting a dislocated arm. So, Anyways. You know, that was his only loss in pride. He, Look got, at that he did have right one there. loss on his record before that against Hinato Sabral, another great fighter. That was for IFC, however, back in 2003. We were five. That run in pride was incredible. I mean, he knocked out guys like Alistair Overeem, like you said. He submitted guys like Kevin Randleman. Kevin Randleman is a wrestler, another yeah. Ohio State Like an all-American wrestler. Yeah, a, a, absolutely. A brute <laughs> yeah, of a man. Yeah. And Shogun submitted him? Crazy. The only submission win of his career. So he literally caps <laughs> off his career with pride. And I believe uh, February 2007, I believe this was the last event pride ever held. He knocks out Overeem. Gets brought into the UFC. Doesn't go very well for him at first. And I'll tell you why. That's a tough introductory. So his, well, hold on. 
that's true, but you have to realize where these guys were at the time. Yeah. He's brought into the UFC, and his introduction fight is Mr. Forrest Griffin. Another oh, Ohio guy. Another Ohio <laughs> guy, yeah, crazy. A legend. We know how good Forrest Griffin is today. At this time, this is UFC 76. This is before Forrest Griffin won the belt. This is when he was still the guy who won the first season of Ultimate Fighter. Um, he, I believe his biggest fight at that point was that split decision loss to Tito Ortiz, which gave people gave him a lot of props for that, but it was still a loss. So really, this was looked at as the red carpet for Shogun. Show the American audience how good you are. Yeah. He comes in out of shape. Um, I think he had a injury that hampered him for like all of his camp. He did not look good at all. He ends up getting submitted in the third round. And one, it's an amazing fight because Forrest Griffin. Just seeing him pull that went like Forrest Griffin had a great performance, and I don't want to take that away from him. But Shogun didn't look good, and you could go, okay, well, it was all because Forrest implemented his game plan and neutralized Shogun. But you got to look at these. These his next fight was at UFC 93 against Mark Coleman again. This is January 2009. Mark Coleman was in his 40s, had obviously not been taking steroids like he had previously because he was deflated. They end up having what ends up being a like a very fun fight to watch, but it was so sloppy. And again, you have Shogun who's in the prime of his career, and he was struggling to beat Mark Coleman. His gas tank was low again. Just not a promising performance again. So questions are going, okay, is Shogun really, is he really legit? Is he actually the top of the heap in the UFC? Well, he goes and TKO's Chuck Liddell in his next fight. Mm, that hurts. That was on Chuck's decline. But it was still okay. It's like, all right. If you beat Chuck Liddell in this point in yeah. time, you're for real. Yeah. So then he's matched up with Leota Machida for the belt based off that win over Chuck. Thing is, just because he knocked out Chuck Liddell, too, that had already been done at that point. Been there, done that with Chuck's chin at that point. This you have to realize when Leota won the belt from Rashad Evans, what was those words Joe Rogan said? Welcome oh. to the Machida yeah, era. Yeah, people really thought Machida was going to be unstoppable. He was. Uh, he brought this the karate skill set that we had never seen before and in the UFC. He was just showing that he was destroying comp- everybody. Yeah, he just he he couldn't be touched. Yeah. So everybody said, "Well, Shogun has no chance here." Look at his previous performances. Nothing has said that he's going to do anything but get pieced up here. Yeah. He ends up losing the fight, but it's another one of those decisions where this is probably the this is probably the one of the biggest robberies in UFC. And it was history. unanimous, which is not even. I a mean, split. it was legit. Like, if you guys watched that fight, I mean, it was obvious that Shogun won that fight. So much so, Dana White post fight presser says. That fight was bullshit. That decision was bullshit. He's he's getting the immediate rematch. He does, knocks out Leoto in the first round. The Machida era is now over. The Machida era is over. Shogun is the champion. And Shogun. So you saw Shogun finally reach that that potential that we saw in him when he first came over from Pride. 
only to run into John Jones. Yeah. Who's that? You know, John Jones is possibly the best fighter of all time. <laughs> and he gets... A 23-year-old John Jones at the time. He gets absolutely destroyed yeah. by John Jones. Yeah. And, you know, since then, he's had his highs, his lows. You know, he, he beat Forrest Griffin in a rematch from their first encounter in less than two minutes. He had the amazing... Uh, decision with Dan Henderson a fight he lost but like nobody lost that fight um you know he's he's had his ups and downs technically at this point his career is actually on the biggest win streak he's ever had in the UFC I think that or at least I will in terms say of his run losses. here has been much... only one loss since 2015 that's crazy I didn't I honestly didn't see now that. granted of course the competition not as strong as it once was sure. but still we're talking an older Shogun at this point, too. Yeah. So to only lose one fight since 2015, being relatively active, yeah. it's impressive. Yeah, 21 knockout wins, one yeah. submission. Yeah. Paul Craig, the complete opposite. You got the 12 submission wins, the one knockout wins. So obviously this is a clash of styles here. That's why we got such a great fight the first time. I look at Paul Craig and, you know, he had lo- he's really lost to a lot of up-and-comers. Mm-hmm. For being a guy that's top 15 and is, you know, he beat Enclave, who's another top 15 guy at light heavyweight. Yeah. And then um, he had the draw with Shogun the first time. However, all of his losses have been these up-and-comers. Tyson Pedro, who's now in Bellator, but at that time he was being propped to be like a big uh, potential star in the UFC. Khalil Roundtree, another big prospect. Jimmy Crew. By the way, ESPN MMA just listed him as the number one fighter of uh, 25 that, fighters under 25. Um, so that loss is looking better and better for him. And then he lost to Alonzo Menafield in three minutes by a knockout. So he's he had a great fight with Shogun the first time. I was leaning towards him before we started breaking this down. I think I'm going the other way. Wow. I think Shogun pulls pulls one out. He, he, you know, he gets another great performance here. I think it's going to go to a decision. Again, I actually do. You think they could get fight of the night? Potentially. They did the first time they yeah. fought. Yeah. I'm going to go with Shogun by decision. You know what? I respect that. I am going to say it's the fight of the night. Why not? Based get on based the on legend. the rest of my predictions, I think it's fair that this is going to be, this is probably going to be fight of the night. All right. I respect it. Yeah. Shout out to Shogun, like a legitimate legend of yeah. MMA. Hopefully I did you justice there, Shogun. That was good. Very good. We move on to women's flyweight. A big fight. This for is this a great division. fight. Great fight. Caitlin Chukagian, Cynthia Calvillo. I'll let you take it away. Caitlin, who we've already broken down once before, is 14-4, and four, two KOTKOs, one submission. She's 7-4 and four in the UFC. Uh, she's got notable wins against Lauren Murphy, the unanimous decision. Uh, Irene Aldana via split decision. Alexis Davis, unanimous decision. Uh, Joanne Calderwood, who I think has fought all four of the flyweight women uh, at this point uh, on this card. is a, That was a unanimous decision. She actually has beaten Jennifer Maya. That was a unanimous decision. And then uh, her most recent victory, she beat Valentina's sister right after losing her title fight to Valentina. Uh, that was also a decision victory. Some other notable losses outside of the Valentina TKO. Uh, she also lost to Liz Carmouche via split decision. 
She lost to Jessica I via split decision. And then most recently, she fought Jessica Andrade in uh, Jessica's first or her debut at uh, flyweight and got KO'd via a very nasty shot to the body that sent her screaming across the octagon. Yes, it did. On the other side, Cynthia Calvillo, her second flyweight fight. She's 9-1-1. One, and one. She's got two KOT goes, three submissions, 6-1-1 one, and one in the UFC. Uh, notable wins over Joanne Calderwood, unanimous decision. Courtney Casey, unanimous decision. And then her flyweight debut in a main event, actually, against Jessica I uh, was a unanimous decision. And her only loss on her record was to Carla, the cookie monster Esparza, uh, the very first women's strawweight champion. And that was via unanimous decision there. And that draw I wanted to mention on Cynthia's record was against Marina Rodriguez, who at the time was undefeated and now only has one loss, and that was also to Carla Esparza. This is a really good fight. It's an important fight for Chukagian. She needs to prove she's still got it, even Mm -hmm. though it seems like she's mentally starting that one foot out the door type mentality. That's what I said. And that's only going off of one quote Mm -hmm. where she just kind of said she's taking it fight by fight. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know. You know what Dana always says. Caitlin, if you're listening, (laughs) I don't want want you to think that, like, I I try not to put too much on, too much stock in that. But, you know, sometimes you have to. when, When you have a fight that's really this close on paper, Sometimes those comments are enough to pull me in one direction, you know. Yeah, that I, kind of comment just makes me think like maybe her heads and hearts just not as in it as mm-hmm. someone like Calvillo who has shown nothing but just wanting to mm-hmm. get back in there and get better and better. Yeah, I really like Calvillo, um, and as bad as I want to pick her to win this, part of me's telling me to pick Chukagian here, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna do it. Pick I'm, I think Chukagian is. Kind of going to have that one last stand. Like, I'm still here. Yeah. I don't know if she's even going to fight again after this win or loss, but she's going to try and make a statement. A quick bounce back, by the way. I mean, she just fought Andrade a month ago. Yeah. It was uh, the Korean Zombie and uh, Ortega card. Yep. So, I love this fight. It's important for the division, especially for Cynthia, more so. But I'm going Caitlin Chukagian here. I think she gets it done via decision. I think she's very long, very lanky. Uh, Cynthia, again, this is only her second fight at this division. Caitlin's going to be significantly larger, mm-hmm. and I think she's just going to utilize the reach. Cynthia's a great grappler, so is Chukagian. So I just think Chukagian's going to use the experience here. She's been in there with the best. I think she gets it done. I really do. Okay. But will I be surprised if Calvillo wins? No. I'll put it that way. Cool. Um, yeah, I... Calvillo has been an interesting one. She is someone, she's 33 now, so she's kind of in that right at the tail end of her athletic prime. It's crazy she's 33 because in my head she's still looked at as such a good prospect. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of going to be my point here is um, her career has been hampered by a lot of a lot of things that are, quite frankly, her fault. <laughs> um, she's missed weight two times in her career. Which, when you've only fought in the UFC, what, seven or eight? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty decent percentage. She's had um, an out-of-the-octagon suspension. She did test positive for marijuana. Um, I know we, how we, you know, we don't really... Here on the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, 
we are not proponents for suspending people for marijuana usage. We're just saying it's been such a short UFC career, yeah, though. It's, a couple it's of hinder, ha- hindrances here. We're, we're talking a woman that could already be a champion, potentially, yeah. you know? I, I just think that she is kind of... And maybe, you know, those fights where she was missing weight, um, that was around the time the 125 division was implemented, but it might have been even before... So now that she does, this is her division. Like this is yeah. definitely where she belongs. She looked good against Jessica. I. She really did. good. She did. And Jessica, I, a former title challenger, Chukagian is going to be the longer fighter, the better reach here. She's got five inches of height on Calvillo. <sighs> However, uh, Calvillo is a grinder. She is a gra- yes. that grappling used heavy to train style. alpha male. She might still train out there. Actually, I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, that grappling heavy style, I think, is going to give fits to Chukagian. I gave Chukagian the benefit of her size against Andrade, and I know Andrade is a different <laughs> type of fighter than Calvillo. Yeah, she's not, they're not the same kind of fighter. But I didn't see Chukagian really use her length against Andrade, and I think that's kind of why I'm going to go with Calvillo here by decision. Um, Chukagian, funny enough, she's giving me uh, she's giving me Struve vibes right now. Mm. Stefan Struve, a guy that was seven feet tall at the heavyweight division, yet he never felt that tall. Yeah, because yeah. he just never used his height, his length, his height. And uh, Chukagian gave me that same feeling when I watched her fight Andrade, and I think that's going to continue here against Calvillo. I'm also looking at Chukagian having that really quick turnaround for someone who got TKO. Yeah. Yeah, I was very surprised. Body shot. Um, I could even see Calvillo getting a finish if she lands the right kind of body shot. That mm. body's got to, you got to give that liver time to heal, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no joke. So um, uh, we'll see where Chukagian goes from here. If if she does lose, um, I would, it, it wouldn't surprise me if she's kind of stacking her fights here month by month so she can kind of, you know, not to be pessimistic. One last could, ride. Yeah, she could be like, okay, I win or lose this one, and then I'm out. You know, cash out, mm-hmm. make it, make a few checks at the tail end of 2020, and then go and try to become a mom, as she said she wants to do. So, um, or focus on motherhood. I forget if she's a mom already or not. But point being, Calvillo by decision, and I think that that sets up Calvillo very nicely behind Andrade as a contender for Valentina. Yeah. Someone who's a bigger name than Valentina's really been fighting. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, so that's that's the way I see it. Uh, with that, we'll move on to... What's the division? It's, uh, I think they're doing it at welterweight, welterweight. yeah. Perry fights everywhere. Yeah, we got Mike Perry and Tim Means. This is, think? this is carnage. <laughs> it this is. is a car crash. It, it is. Uh, Mike Perry's fourteen and six, eleven KO TKOs. He's seven and six in the UFC. He's got notable wins against Jake Ellenberger, uh, KO. He beat Paul Felder, which is just wow. It looks better and better yeah. as he goes. Uh, that was a split decision there. Uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira be unanimous decision, and also beat Mickey Gall in his most recent fight and looked damn good. I must say, in that fight against Mickey Gall, really surprised me with how good he looked in that fight. Uh, notable losses, like we already said, Alan Joban, unanimous decision. Lost to San- Santiago Ponzinibbio. We need him back so bad. He's coming back in January. I can't he? wait. Yeah. Oh, God, we need him back. <laughs> anyway, unanimous decision. Uh, he lost to Max Griffin, unanimous decision. Lost to Donald Cowboy Cerrone via submission. Uh, Vicente Luque in a tough split decision fight there. 
And then uh, I got TKO'd by Jeff Neal, who's going to fight Wonderboy next month. For Tim Means, on the other hand, a true veteran, 30 wins, 12 losses, 19 KOTKOs, 5 submissions. He's 12-9-1 in the UFC. He's got wins against uh, Diego Lima via TKO and Tiago Alves uh, via Alves. I feel like I said his name weird. Anyway, beat him via submission. Uh, fun fact here, in some of his notable losses, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal way back. Way back. Way back. That was via unanimous decision. Uh, lost to Neil Magny via unanimous decision. Matt Brown submitted him. He also has fought Alex Oliveira, but lost to him via submission. Lost to our boy Bilal Muhammad via split decision. And then also got TKO'd by Mr. Nico Price. Oh, he got KO'd. KO'd Hell by yeah. Mr. TK. N- TK Price. <laughs> Nico Price. He got knocked the bug out. This fight is my uh, prediction for fight of the night. Assuming it goes three rounds. So, so that's the thing here. Yeah. Is, that's, I'm not predicting it to go three rounds, but I think you are, aren't you? I originally had Perry via first round KO, and I changed it. I'm going Mike Perry decision victory mm. in a chaotic master. No, not masterpiece. A chaotic mess. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... It's really interesting to watch Mike Perry's kind of growth in the sport here. Early on, he was finishing everybody. You know, that Jake Ellenberger knockout? Yeah, that's what, yeah. Um, Alex Reyes knocked him out, knocked that dude out with a knee admitted into the first round. Like, he was knocking out everybody. Then you saw the Ponzinibbio loss, and he lost to Max Griffin. And really, this this career he's on now, he's it's a lot of decisions. Mm-hmm. The only two finishes on this run since 2017 have been when he's lost. Yeah, Cerrone and Jeff Neal. He's been a guy that's really just traded wins and losses in the promotion. Did you say what his UFC record was? UFC record for Perry seven and six. Yeah, so he's literally a 500 fighter as of now. He has shown to have the potential to get to greater heights, but that's just the re- reality of where he's at. He's been really fighting the best of the best. People love watching him fight, too. What a he, character. He, there's been a lot of controversy on if he should really even be fighting right now due to some of the out-of-the-cage stuff that's been going on with him. Um, obviously, I'm no person to judge someone's situation there, so I, I won't do so. But I will say... You know, he's doing, Mike Perry's doing the thing he did in his last fight. His last fight, he had his girlfriend corner him. Everybody, including me, thought, I was like, oh, no. I was like, that that smells like maybe Mickey Gall might upset him. Didn't pick it, and obviously it ended up being a smart decision because he, he won pretty handedly there. Can he do it again against Tim Means? He's doing the same thing with his corner. Tim Means is a, 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 bet, a veteran. You know, compared to coming in on short notice, yeah. this is another short notice yeah, fight. Perry to, originally scheduled to fight Lawler, yeah, which is well, anyway. Compare it to Mickey Gall, who's still very young yeah. and yeah. you know hasn't quite fought like Tim Means has. I think Perry gets his gets a finish here, though. I think uh, there's something just pulling me in that direction, and for Tim Means, he's really proven to be a pretty stout guy. I mean, he's got 12 losses; seven of them are by finish. Oh, but five by submission. He's only been knocked out twice. Once to Nico Price, like you said. 
But I think he's going to be knocked out in the first round here by Mike Perry. Mike Perry's got some crazy power. I think Perry is um, due to maybe a lot of that stuff going on outside the cage. you got to wonder if, like, Shout a lot of critics. people a lot of people throw themselves into their crafts, you know. His craft is fighting. So you, I, I like to think that he's going to be very motivated in this matchup. And Tim Means, I mean, he's he's 36 years old. You, you know he's over – he's not – He's definitely on a downward trajectory at this point, I would say. Maybe. I don't even know if that's fair to say. but Long career, man. He's been fighting for a long time. Over 40 fights. I, I think he's going to get first-round TKO KO by Mike Perry is my prediction there. I like it. Like I said, I had that originally, and I was like, ah. That's why I, It's this new Perry that he's been fighting a yeah. little smarter. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. It, it's, but it could be a very very violent fight. I think that that's why I'm not picking it for fight of the night because yeah. I think it's going to be done pretty early. But, right. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's definitely a prediction that I'm not super confident in. I'm confident in Perry to win. I'm not confident in him to do it in the highlight real fashion that I foresee. Yeah. Just because Tim Means has proven to be a pretty stout guy, but um, that's what I'm going to go with for now. And we move on to our first title fight here. Oh, my. Valentina Shevchenko. She's Jennifer bad. <laughs> versus Jennifer Maya. Dom, roll can, out the red carpet here. Can I just say, it's been too long since we've seen the bullet. When, when did she fight last? 247. That was back in February. It's been too long. I miss, I've missed her. She's had a couple injuries, was scheduled to fight earlier in the year. But she's finally back. Valentina Shevchenko, ladies and gentlemen, is 19 and 3. Six KOTKOs, seven submissions, eight and two in the UFC. Notable wins against Holly Holm, unanimous decision. Submitted the submission specialist, Juliana Pena. Beat Joanna Young Jacek to become the flyweight champion in a fight that to this day gets overlooked, does not get talked about enough. It's a performance is not, that does not get talked about enough, and it pisses me off, quite frankly. Oh. So upset. Tell him. Joanna Champion had six title defenses at Strawweight. Okay? Yeah. She was in one of our top ten fights of all time with Wei Li Zhang. Oh, she's a savage. And we're just going to just glide over the fact that Valentina dominated her for five rounds, outstruck her on the feet, dominated her on the ground, and became the champion? Bullied her. We're just not going to talk about it? Nope. You want to know why? Because guess what the main event was? Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. I don't want to hear it. That's I'm mean, just saying. Listen, that's why, blessed, that's, I love you. That's why it happened because Ortega, seeing the damage he took in that main event, completely overshadowed what Valentina did in that co-main. And it hurts. It hurts. It does because that's literally a huge. This, this win. was, I'm I'm gonna say it because this happened before oh, Nunez oh and Cyborg. Correct. This was before that fight. It was a month before. This should have been labeled as the first female super fight in UFC history. Ooh. And it wasn't. So I'm just, here on the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, we're going to tell you how we see it. And I think we both feel strongly about this performance and that it doesn't get, it gets overshadowed. I agree. I I don't know if I quite agree with your sentiment about the super fight because I think that Valentina's status among the... A much bigger star now, I will. I I think that her last, you know, her, her title run is really what's kind of built her to that status. Um... But yes, that win did have a big part in that. 
But yes, this is a performance that does get overlooked. Dude, it, just because Joanna had already been beat by Rose, I think that's the reason. another reason it gets overlooked is her stock wasn't super high at the time. But Joanna has proven that she is still one of the best. Oh, if you have world. a win on your record against Joanna, By the way, Valentina also beat Joanna way back in the day in a Muay Thai professional fight. That's true. And they talked about that a lot in the lead-up to that fight. So anyway, that's my tangent there. Go watch the fight if you haven't already. That's when Valentina became the queen of the flyweight division. Yep. From there, goes on to head kick Jessica I into another realm. She then beats Liz Carmouche in a rematch. Uh, that was via unanimous decision. And then TKO'd Caitlin Chukagian. Notable losses. Like I said, she rematched Carmouche when she was the champion. She originally lost to Liz Carmouche at C3 Fights in 2010. Wow. Via TKO, if I'm not mistaken. It's her first loss. Yes. And the only other person she's ever lost to in her 22-fight career in MMA is the greatest women's fighter of all time in Amanda Nunes. Once via unanimous decision and once via split decision in a title fight that many thought Valentina won. I'm not one of those people, but I, I agree it was very close. Valentina riding a five-fight win streak, four title defenses coming into UFC 255. Jennifer Maya is 18-6 and six with one draw, another draw. This is crazy. Four KOT goes, five submissions. She's only 3-2 and two in the UFC. Only 3-2 and two in the UFC. All three uh, are notable wins. She's beaten Roxanne Matafiri twice, once in Invicta back in 2016 via split decision. And then beat her in the UFC via unanimous decision. Also beat Alexis Davis via unanimous decision. And then her win to get her the title shot was against Julian Calderwood. Submitted her with a very good armbar there. Her notable losses, she has also lost to Liz Carmouche. That was via unanimous decision. And then as I mentioned earlier, she lost to Caitlin Chukagian via unanimous decision. If I may cut in real quick. Cut in. She has another uh, notable win. What is that? Back in t- December 15, 2012, at Samurai FC9 Water versus Fire, oh. she beat a young Jessica Andrade by decision. Wow. Can I just say, by the way, that the name of that event is <laughs> the most badass thing Samurai I've ever heard? Samurai FC9, semicolon, Water versus Fire. Be we like, need to do a new series on be, the podcast. Be like water. Be like water. Anyways. <laughs> Shevchenko. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. If <laughs> y'all, if you guys are betting, I'm gonna. If you're, yeah. if you're betting, let people, me let me pull out the betting odds here. Really these quick. odds are insane. Yeah. Um, Maya. So is, much so that it may be worth throwing a couple bucks on Maya. <laughs> Maya is such an underdog here. It, this is uh, we're at the level of Rousey home at this point. Yes. And we know how that went. Holly Holm shocked the world. Ladies. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Finish it. I was just saying, Holly Holm obviously head kicked Ronda and basically ended her career. But can the, Maya, will Maya do the same? The fighter odds presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay. Which I think goes live in Ohio, by the way, next year. That's exciting. Oh, really? Like we need to blow more money. Anyway, <laughs> Valentina is a minus one thousand six hundred and sixty-seven favorite. Jennifer Maya is a plus 850 underdog. Now, Noah, 
break that underdog stat down real quick for people that maybe aren't into betting. What does it mean when you're a plus 850 underdog? If you bet $100 on Jennifer Maya, it means that and if she won, yes, you would win $850. It's a decent return. Mm-hmm. So, like, for us, like, for people that don't bet even that much money, if you bet, like, $20, what was it, plus 850 Plus $850. You oh, do God. a quick math. Uh, How about if you just say, if you bet 10 bucks, you win 85 Yeah, that would... So, if you bet 20 <laughs> you'd win 170 There you go. Is that really right? Because <laughs> it's double. 85 <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Good job. Yeah. I thought you were... I thought you were like, it's double 20. I'm like, I swear, no, uh, anytime math is brought up, you shut down. So, <laughs> needless to say, if you bet on Jennifer Maya and she wins, you're going to get a decent return. However, we are not telling you to bet on Jennifer Maya. Even if we might. Even if we might. <laughs> we might waste a few bucks. Yeah. Just because it's worth it. Odds. It's because of those odds. We like money. We're all eating good if she wins. Um, 50 so G's, baby. This has got to be one of the biggest... Um, favorite slash underdog betting lines we've seen in quite some time. Like you said, we're talking Rousey versus Holly Holm numbers here. True. Uh, Valentina is going to dominate this fight, and I've got her winning actually via decision. Okay. Very interesting. There, though. there will be no upset. A decision. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I don't know what Maya is going to come at her with. You know Maya wants to take her down, but this is another thing about Valentina. People don't realize how good she is on the ground. She is insanely talented at submissions and grappling in general. Like, people don't realize it. She's a Muay Thai world champion. Want to hear a fun fact? Tell them. She has more wins by submission. Submission than than KO, TKO. Yeah. So, Shevchenko first round submission. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Shevchenko decision. I'm, I'm really just very interested in what kind of plays out here. I really am. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see Jennifer Maya really try to take down Valentina, but it will be thwarted every time. Valentina will not be taken down once. She's next fight. level, man. That's my... <laughs> I am definitely putting myself at risk here because if Maya somehow pulls out this upset, I'm going to have egg on my face. We might win some money, though. True. So, <laughs> fuck y'all. <laughs> be eating good. But. Yes. Valentina, I think, is going to piece up Jennifer Maya on the feet. And then maybe at some point Maya goes for a sloppier takedown attempt. I'm thinking around round, I don't know, three. Okay. And then Valentina kind of gets on top, finishes her off with some ground and pound. I think Valentina by third round TKO. I think Maya's got enough of a chin and, um, I don't know, enough heart or enough. I don't think she's going to get hit with a knockout shot like someone like Just Guy did. Yeah. <laughs> because you got to think, Valentina, it would not be of her benefit to throw head kicks at someone like Maya who yeah. could grab one potentially yeah. and take her down. So I think you'll see Shevchenko really trying to keep her at distance, keep her at bay. Um, piece her up and then Maya's just going to really try to push to close that distance, get a takedown, and I just think it's just going to go bad for her. Look at all those world championships <laughs> in Muay Thai. 
she's been winning championships professionally and mix or not mixed martial arts, but just combat in general since 2003. <laughs> she's insane. Valentina Shevchenko is on. She's next level. She is. She's next level. Yeah, I, I'm the always... only person that presents a challenge at this weight class. At this weight class, 125 is Andrade. That's it. Yeah, and even then, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, we could get Ego on her face here, because, but who isn't picking Shevchenko? You know what I mean? Like, she is so good. If you guys or girls have not seen Valentina Shevchenko fight. You're in for a treat on Saturday well, night. The app that we are fans of, uh, Verdict. We love Verdict. Um, I believe it's isn't it the highest percentage ever picked for one person? I think it was ninety seven. Ninety something. Oh, let me find it. Let me find Pretty it. Pretty sure it's the most one sided. Yeah. Pick ever. It was big time. Which is it's crazy. Just Jennifer Maya's getting no respect. No, this. not at all. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There's Cynthia Calvillo. But it, it's going to be interesting to see what Maya tries to do here. She's still, you know, we still haven't quite seen really all she has to offer. You know, that win over Joanne Calderwood was very impressive. And I I don't want to look over her skill set. I just think Valentina is just on another level compared to the competition. And that's, you know, I Jennifer Maya, by all means, could be a champion if, you didn't have someone that was so world class like Shevchenko just as the boogeyman right mm. there but um, it's just to me there's just there's levels and Valentina's just much better than Jennifer Maya at this point that's yeah. just the way I see it so credit to verdict Valentina Shevchenko is the biggest favorite in the history of the app 94% predict she will win with the world's most common prediction being a second round KOTKO. So. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of people are picking Valentina. I, I would say so. That's that's pretty overwhelming. And that I think, leads us uh, in. I think that leads us to the main event. Also at flyweight, but men's flyweight. It's flyweight night. It's flyweight night. Davis and Figueredo, Alex Perez, the odds on this one, not quite as one-sided as uh, you would think. Obviously, Figgy is a, he's definitely a favorite. Yeah. But compared to that co-main. Oh, well, you're not going to see numbers And like I'm that shocked that the, it's not more overwhelming because everybody keeps doubting Perez in this Yeah, matchup. that's true. But I'll let you uh, do your piece here. Take it away. The, the God of War. Yes. The scariest champion in the UFC right now. Davison Figueiredo. Versus Alex Perez. Davison is 19-1. Nine KOTKOs. Seven submissions. He's 8-1 in the UFC. Notable wins against John Moraga via TKO. Tim Elliott via submission. Joseph Benavidez two times. Once via TKO. Once via submission. His only loss in the UFC and in his entire professional career was against aforementioned Juicier Formiga. He's been mentioned quite a lot on today's podcast. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Davison is on a four-fight win streak, and nine of his 16 finishes have came in the first round. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the octagon, a Dana White contender series veteran, Alex Perez, 24 wins, five losses, 
Five KO, TKO, seven submissions. He's seven and one in the UFC if you count his win on the Contender Series. With uh, other notable wins against Mark De La Rosa, unanimous decision. Jordan Espinoza via submission. And TKO Juicier Formiga with a leg kick in the first round. Sent Formiga out of the promotion. He chopped his leg like an axe going to a tree. Well, Joe Rogan has talked a lot about the increased use of that low calf kick. Yes. And how it's became a staple for people that are trying to that use leg kicks. And you just saw in that fight, it just completely broke down Formiga's movement. And you don't see it happen much in the one round. You'll see the leg get injured in the first round, but then the actual leg kick finish, second or third round when they just can't stand no more. Mm-hmm. This happened in the first round. Within the first minute, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, notable loss. He has lost to Joseph Benavidez. That was via TKO. Alex is riding a three-fight win streak, and he has 11 of his 12 finishes in the first round. But, Davis and Figueiredo. I, I do want to say, though, real quick, it's impressive. Alex Perez is only 28 years old. Yeah. He's got 29 fights professionally. Mm-hmm. You don't usually see that kind of experience for someone this young. Especially this uh, weight class. Yeah, so I think Perez has a very bright future. I just don't think that this Saturday is going to be his time to shine. Yeah, pretty unfortunate matchup here. But also want to make note, he is the first alumni of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender mm-hmm. to fight for a title. This is huge. This, this is the UFC's reasoning, I think, mainly to book him a title fight. Because if a, if someone from the Contender Series wins a title, that boasts that show up so much more than it already is. Like, that show is already loved by the community. And if someone from that show can win a championship, it's essentially like someone from the Ultimate Fighter winning a title. It's like when Forrest Griffin won yeah. the belt. Um, so that's what's at stake here for Alex Perez and the UFC's marketing behind him. And it's all it, over the it promo vali- video. It validates the platform. Yes, exactly. But and it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Davison, look, I even if you go before the Benavidez fights, you know, that submission over Tim Elliott three minutes into the first round by guillotine, he's really been doing, I mean, 16 of his 19 wins by finish, nine knockouts, seven submissions, by the way. So. And I, I didn't even mention Pantoja uh, as a notable win as well. That was a VA decision, so... Mm-hmm. He's been in there with them all. Again, his yeah. only loss being to Formiga, the guy that's <clears throat> excuse me, fought everybody in this division. He's came a long way since that loss, I would yes, say. Yes, he has. <laughs> um, you look at these last two Benavidez fights again, just a scary man. Oh, that one in Fight Island. And that was that was one where he literally dropped him, what, three times? It was bad. And then finished him off with a submission, really showing that this guy is well-rounded. It was terrifying yeah and i i think perez if i will perez say i think a perez, challenge i think perez and i could end up being wrong i think perez has a better chance than jennifer maya oh yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's like a compliment or not <laughs> yeah. but you know it, and who knows what will happen i'm trying to like talk as if i'm watching this on sunday yeah, and i don't yeah. want to be cringing at what i'm saying i think perez could even show some things. Maybe the leg kicks can work for him early on. I just think Davison's power 
and his pressure is going to be too much for someone like Perez at this point in his career. And he's so well-rounded. I think Davison does get a finish here. Yes. I think it happens in the second round. Yes. I'm actually... <laughs> I think I'm actually going to go via, via submission. Oh, I have second round KOTKO. So that's what I originally had, but I'm, I looked at Perez has got three losses by submission. And I think that Davison could again drop him yeah, and the then go and then, in and finish. Yeah. But I think it'll be the <laughs> it'll be set up by the work on the feet. Yeah, but I think this is just going to again be a star making type fight for Davison. That's what it is for Davison. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially going into a, Cody is supposed to get the winner of this. That's what they've said. Yeah. So they promised him that he would still get a title shot coming back from the bicep injury. So if Figueiredo gets a win here, that's just. It's big. It's very big. Mm-hmm. Him and Cody would be one of the biggest fights to ever happen at flyweight. Maybe even the biggest. I would say second biggest outside of TJ and Henry Suda. But name-wise, it's probably bigger. Might know. be. I don't know. I don't Cody's know. a big name. I think that fight was bigger because it was on the first ESPN yeah, that's card. True. That's true. It was on free TV. You know. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a platform here. Don't miss this pay-per-view. I'm t- we're, we, we said it we at the beginning. We will not take it. Yeah. We're not Noah's going to slap you. I, I'm literally going to piece you up if you come up to me and say 255 is a waste of time or yeah. it's not worth it. Yeah. You're getting pieced up. You're, yeah. He's been training. <laughs> I've been working on my stock and slap. <laughs> Again, check out these fights on Saturday, people. Even if you, if you don't want to buy the pay-per-view because, you know, I get it. Money, you know, sometimes that's a factor. At least check out the prelims on ESPN2, or if you have ESPN+, or you can even check out the early prelims on Fight Pass. So please check them out, people. There's some great names on here, people, that you're going to want to watch now because here soon they might be rising to the very top. Yeah, very true. But that's it. Closing closing the book on that, on the preview for UFC 255. Monday, we will be recapping all the action that happens on Saturday, but mostly these six fights that we broke down in detail. Um, obviously, if anything stands out to us lower on the card, we will make note of it, of course. But that'll be on Monday, and then Wednesday is going to be special episode time. We back. Yep, it's going to be. It's nice to kind of get on that schedule. Yeah, now, yeah, so, exactly. Um, as for what that episode will be, we'll let you know on Monday. TBD. Yeah, T two TBD. <laughs> but trust me, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be. A little extra special. But Dominic, yeah, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram, at Diesely14. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast. As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at N-T-Baker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you links to every platform, major platform that we're on. The the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the Anchor page, Spotify, Google, Apple. It's all on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Essentially, that just provides us with a few dollars of monetary support a month. Uh, all that money will go back into improving the podcast, whether it be improving the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So all that, again, you can find if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we're going to see you all on 